in the book of 2 Kings chapter 14. 2 Kings chapter 14. And this is part 3 of the tale of 9 kings. And I wrote some of these kings down right here. I'm going to say their names as best as I can. Some of them are very complicated. <laughs> Maybe I should put Portuguese names next to them. I'm just kidding with you. 2 Kings chapter 14. Let's look at verse 23. 1423. And it says, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and reigned forty and one years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being in your house tonight, Lord. Uh, Lord, we're going to look at different men that live at one time in history. Their names are written in the Bible, and uh, the record is here. Lord, may we learn from the examples how to be better people, to love you, and to do good in your sight. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the tale of nine kings, or the tale of nine kings, uh, uh, part three, and we kind of stopped a little bit because past Wednesday night was the Sanctity of Life Wednesday night or week. So, but tonight we're looking at this, um, we're going to go back to standards, lowering your standards, uh, and of course we have a society that is decaying really bad, and with the society many people are going the same way. They're lowering their standards so they can fit in. And that's a, a very dangerous place to be when we, you know, like, all right. I remember my mom and dad had their own standards as a family, right? I believe the, each person here have their standards of living. You know, things that you do and things that you do and things that you don't. And nobody's going to convince you otherwise uh, to do things that you already in your heart and mind says, I will never do it. Correct? I mean, the same way with me. I mean, I have standards that yeah, I'm not going to lower it down. But, unfortunately, many people have lowered their standards to fit in with society. Society is changing, and this change too. They go, okay, it's okay. Oh, okay, it's okay. And we could see a decay in society on which we see what we see. Morality, immorality is so bad. Uh, what, what used to be uh, shame is not a shame anymore. You know, and if you dare even to say something, they even call you all kinds of names because you're not going, you didn't lower your standards to go along with them. So we see it, a society today on which have lowered the standards so much to a point on which we see what's going on in our world. Well, if you look, look at Israel, of course, of course the kingdom separated itself in two, the northern kingdom, southern kingdom. But if you look at Israel right here, what happened to Israel? They lowered their standards. They lowered their standards so much to fit to fit the nations around them. They lowered their standards so much that they were actually adopted their, their, their shrines and their, and their gods and they brought it right, right in and they didn't realize how much contamination that would bring into their own families. Because one generation went, another generation came and they kept going and the sin continued and actually escalated. Because while somebody have lowered their standards, it started with, with whom? I'll tell you what the guy, this thing started, it was Jeroboam. 
And it says the son of Nabab. Throughout the first and second kings, you see that name keep popping up. Jeroboam, the son of Nabab, he said, and those kings, they, they, they follow the sins of Jeroboam. He was a wicked man. So, biblical standards should always be non-negotiable. If we're going to be people of the book that love the Lord, love Jesus, we have biblical standards that they're not negotiable. They're not up for negotiations. All right? There's some things we say, that's it. That's the way it is. It's not going to change. You can change, but I'm not going to change. It's some convictions that we have that we shouldn't change it. I'm not going to change it. I don't know about you, but I think you stand in the same place. But there are uh, standards we should never change. And they're not for, ne- for negotiation. Same thing with God. God is not going to change his words to, to, f- to fit in with society. Right. right? Actually, the Bible is not up for discussion. The Bible, uh, let, me, let me rectify this. The Bible is not, is not trying to defend itself against society. You don't see in the Bible where the God tried to defend himself against society. Here's the word of God. God says, I, I reveal myself to you. You either take it or you reject it. The Bible stands in itself. And it's up to you and me to reject it or accept it. But God's not, God, is not try, God doesn't try to defend itself. The Bible doesn't try to defend itself. See, because you know what? God has a standard. And it standard stands. Okay? So. In other words, God is not going to lower standards because of the decay of society. So the standard of Judah began to su- subside as the king stu- uh, uh, stopped comparing themselves to King David. Tonight we are going to continue looking at the tale of nine kings, both in Judah and in Israel, on which they lowered their standards of faith to embrace the standards of the society. You can't make people more, f- you can't, I'm sorry, you can't, Make people more faithful by allow by lowering the standards or your standards of faith. A church that lowers its standards to to get people in is making a horrendous mistake. Listen, some people, some pastors have done that. Some churches have done that to lower they lower the standards in order to get people in. Okay, listen. Would I be happy if we have two hundred people here? Yeah, I'll be very happy. You know, like I can leave work. I can, you know, I don't have to, to go to a, a, a regular job. I'll be serving in the church full time. It'll be wonderful. But there's one thing that I keep in mind here, okay? God is the one who's building his church. Yeah. And he's the one who's going to bring people in, bring people out. But I, was, I was reading from, I actually got this from a pastor this week. He said, you know what? He said, uh, for those that have small churches, I'm going to say, I had a small church, and I, my church is not that big still. He said, they have many nights on which, or many Sundays on which I preached to my wife. There was nobody there. But he said, I never lost focus on what I was doing. Our standards were high. That was our standards. God will build this church. And he said, he said this way. And by, for you, he said, for you as a, a, a pastor of a small church, let me tell you, he said, don't lose hope. Don't, don't, get, the, the, don't get depressed or don't get discouraged. You know what? Do what you do with joy and gratitude of heart because there will come a day we will be in heaven and nobody will remember you anymore anyway. So enjoy what you're doing right now. I said, well, I like that. <laughs> I like that. You know, because, you know, we sometimes we put it on our shoulder and we think, you know, I, I've been, my wife was, can tell you, it's like, I mean, it's, like it's got to be me. It's something that I'm doing that's not right. Why people not coming? Why people, you know, you put that and you blame yourself for it. You know what? 
It's like friends. You know, some people come and like you. Some people don't like you. And you're like, what did I do? They just don't like you. You know, but it is a thing. We're not going to lower our standards in order to get a crowd. We stand with the word of God. We have our standards. You know what? And let God be God. And let God build his church. If God wants his church to be small, then it be small. If God wants his church to grow to have four or five hundred people, then be it, Lord. But we're going to rely on you because we rely on your standards. And that's what this guy said. And I was like, that's good. I like that. Okay, so. So I'm encouraged tonight. So tonight we are going to continue looking at those nine kings. So ancient Israel wasn't much different from society today. Now, not one king of Israel encourages people to repent and seek the Lord. And in Judah, uh, uh, Amaziah and Uzziah both committed acts of arrogance, ambition that, that brought judgment from God. And we, as we continue, we're going to see where we are close to that, where Israel is going to go to Assyria and where Judah is going to go, he's going to Babylon. Why? Because if they continue sinning against God. Listen, folks, here's one thing that where God come hard on us. And I believe that with all my heart. You sin and you confess your sin, God forgives you. But if you continually sin and re- disregard God and continue to go in that path, he's going to stop you somewhere. And that's what he did to Israel right here. So as we look at these nine rulers, we can gain some practical insights in the will, in, into the will and ways of God as, as well as the terrible wages of sin. So let's look at the tales of nine kings tonight. Okay, We already dealt with one king. We have nine left. So let's look at them. Number one, we see a prosperous king, Jeroboam. Jer- so as we look at this king, the racket turns uh, from Judah to Israel and to Jeroboam II, not the first the second, who has the longest reign of any of Israel's kings, uh, 41 years. He was not a good king when it came to spiritual matters, but he brought prosperity to the nation and delivered from its enemies. Okay, all right. Prosperity came, spiritual growth was not even around. You see? Okay. Like many people of our day, even back in those ancient days, the average citizen didn't care about the character of the nation's leader. So as long as the people had food on their tables, money in their purses, and no fear, and no fear of being invaded by the enemies. Isn't that a picture of America? <laughs> I don't care what, what man is in the White House. I just want, you know, a job, money in the bank, food on the table, good car, vacations. I don't care about As long as it's like that, it's fine. And spiritually, the nation is like, like this. Wasn't that what people say? And people say, oh, let's, we're going to vote for somebody that would, what, what can you do for me today, not yesterday? Today. So that's what people look for. Economy is good. I have food on the table. Gasoline prices are down. You know, food is too expensive. Put it down. My tax is too high. Put it down. If you do that, oh, you're my man. I don't care what you believe, what you don't believe. But that's society. We're not different in those days. This guy, spiritually speaking, he was corrupt. But prosperity in the nation, people like him because, oh, yeah, look how we're living. That's not trusting God. <laughs> that's not trusting God. Oh, the heart of man doesn't change at all, folks. It is not by mistake that the Bible says that the heart of man is desperately what? Wicked. 
There are many people who are rich in material goods. There are many people who are very content with their lifestyle without God. There are many people who think that they have everything life could give them. But the bottom line is that those people are totally poor towards God. I heard of a movie star this week. He said his own words. And actually, uh, I like his movies. I watch many of his movies. And he's from the 80s. He's an old man now. And somebody asked me, do you ask him, point blank, do you believe in God? And he said, no. He said, you don't, yeah, I don't believe that God exists. I believe that when we die, we're done. What a poor spiritual condition to be, isn't it? You have everything money can give you or money can buy, but you're very poor towards God. What a sad story. It made me sad to hear that. You see, uh, let me, where was this? <laughs> um, so the bottom line is that those people are totally poor towards God. The only thing that they have is the here and now. They don't make preparation for departure, uh, which is a hand. We can depart at any time. They don't make preparation for when the day on which they will say goodbye to the, all their goods. They do not care about God. They do not care about the, His word. They do not care about His warnings. They do, they do want heaven as a future home, but... God, but not the God who owns heaven. They think that many think that they deserve heaven for the goodness that they do. So King Jeroboam II, I think that's in your, is, is in your outline, was a prosperous king and in all, kings of, all kinds of material goods, but he was very poor towards God. Actually, the prosperity of Israel was only a, 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 a was only a veneer that covers sins and crimes that were an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Uh, let me put it this way. You know, we can have a lot of stuff, nothing, nothing wrong with material goods. But you know what? It's just stuff. It's just stuff. I had a wonderful conversation with my daughter. She called me. She surprised me. I was in, driving here, and she surprised me. And I have a special... Uh, my phone has a special song for my daughter, when you know. So I was walking out, and that song, that my phone was oh, hilariously singing. And I said, oh, that's my princess. So <laughs> I answered the phone. But I was talking, and I was talking about some plans and as, we get with, as we age. And she said, Dad, don't you worry about anything. It's just stuff. How true is that? It's just, in the end of the, the, end of the day, it's just stuff. What we take out of this world? Nothing. Or we can take a salvation with us. See, the prophet Amos in Amos 1 1 and Hosea and, and chapter 1 1 ministered during Jeroboam's reign and warned that judgment was coming. Look what it says in Amos 1 1. The words of Amos, it was among the herd of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the sons of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Hosea 1.1 says, The word of the, of the Lord that came into Hosea the son of Berai in the days of Uzziah, uh, uh, Jod, uh, Jod, uh, Jodan, yeah, Jodan, Hezai, and Zechariah, kings of, of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam the son of jo, Joash, king of Israel. So there was warnings given to these people, but they didn't pay attention to it. Judgment did come in 1722 B.C. when the Assyrians invaded Israel, deported many of the Jewish people and imported, imported Gentiles from other 
conquered uh, nation that, uh, to mix with Israel, with Israel, with the Israelites. So, where are the sins of of this prosperous king right here? For one thing, the rich was getting richer at the expense of the poor who were exploited and abused. Folks, it didn't change anything. You know why? Because the world is the same way today. The richer gets richer, and the poor, you know, work for a living as much as they can all their lives. You know, and, and if we don't, we're in trouble. And they make this monopoly of just keep doing these things. And guess what? They, they get the gain. The richer gets rich and the poor gets poor. <laughs> so the wealth landowners barely cared for their slaves. And the courts disobeyed the law and decided cases in favor of the rich and not in the fairness to the poor. So in the midst of this corruption, the leaders practiced their religion, attend service, and brought their sacrifices. While the, the wealthy men and their wives live in luxury, the poor were downtrodden and robbed of their civil rights. Amos uh, chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, Hosea 12, 8. So the, religion, the religious crowd longed for the day of the Lord to come, thinking that this, moment, this uh, momentous event would bring, them, uh, uh, I'm sorry, bring even greater glory to Israel. We see this in Amos chapter 5, verse 18 to 27. We'll, we'll get there eventually. So get this. There's nothing wrong, wrong with prosperity. Nothing wrong. Actually, there are many people in the Bible on which God did bless them with so many physical blessing, blessings. But prosperity without God only leads to spiritual destruction. Those people in the Bible that were very prosperous, they loved the Lord. Abraham was a very prosperous man. He loved the Lord. So, but prosperity without God only, only leads to destruction. You go to Hollywood and you see all these movie stars. How many of those people really believe in God? They have money all, all over the place. They all mean uh, those basketball players and, and those football players and all that. I mean, some of them are Christians, don't get me wrong. But many of them, what they kids, the almighty dollar. They don't care about God. The people didn't realize that the day of the Lord actually mean divine judgment of the nation. God was going to judge the nation of Israel. You know one thing that I, makes you scratch your head? How much God did for the nation of Israel. God took them out of Egypt. Took them all the way to the promised land. Kept protecting them. Kept protecting them. And, and they, kept, they, they kept going to the gods of the heathen. They saw the miracles right in front of their eyes. So, praise the Lord that He is a God of mercy and compassion. That generation, uh, that, that generation wound up in captivity, but the Lord was not done with Israel and still not done with Israel to this day. There will come a day and Jesus is going to come. He's going to set His kingdom in Israel for a thousand years. He's going to fulfill that promise He gave to David. So, Number one, that was that first king. Number two, the, the, the well-known king. The well-known king. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, began Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, to reign. Sixteen years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned uh, two and fifty years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So this guy that did evil, he said he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, okay? So, look at verse 4. Save that the high places were now removed, people, the people sacrificed and burned incense still on the high places. 
That's a mistake there. His given, uh, his, uh, his given name was Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped. He became king of Judah at age 16. He took the throne, uh, the throne name Uzziah, which means Jehovah's strength. So King Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Judah uh, from approximately 790 uh, to 739 B.C. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father Amaziah did. But be careful over here. He didn't do as David did. You follow that? He didn't do as David. So King Uzziah sought the Lord during the days of Zechariah who instructed him to fear the Lord. Let me put it this way. Let me ask you this question. Don't answer. Answer in your heart. Do you fear the Lord? Some people don't like that word fear. I'm not saying fear the Lord that you run from Him and hide yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Because some people are very fearful. Anything that happens, they're full of fear and they run and cover for cover. I, mean, I know a lady, I mean, she passed away. She was afraid of thunder and afraid of lightning. She would go to hide herself in a closet. You know, my sisters, they were afraid of thunder for the longest time. I mean, it was a lightning somewhere there where you go screaming and yelling. Like, like, why are you running away from? It's just noise in the skies. <laughs> you know, but, but some people, listen. Fear the Lord is reverence for who He is. That's what the Bible refers to. It is like, I recognize who He is. I worship Him for who He is. I respect Him for who He is. I pray to Him for who He is. But I'm not afraid of Him. Because if I'm afraid of Him, I'm not going to do those other things. I'm going to run away from Him. It is amazing, you know, people are, you know, the world, oh, I'm afraid of God. Why are you afraid of God for? He loves you. You see, this uh, Zechariah is the most likely a godly prophet to whom Uzziah listened. As long as Uzziah made a point to seek God, God made him prosperous. Letter A, you see, is accomplishments. So King Uzziah in the Bible is shown a wonderful intelligence and, or, and an elevated mind. Uh, so under whom the saddle of Judah prospered, right, in Second Chronicles 26. Uh, he was used by God to defeat the Philistines and Arabs in verse 7 of Second uh, Chronicles. He, he built fortified towers and strengthened the armies of Judah. He commissioned skilled men to create devices that could shut, shut arrows and launch stones at enemies from the city walls. He built up the land, and the Bible says that he, for, for he loved hu uh, husbandry, so the Amorites paid tribute to King Uzziah, and his fame spread all over the ancient world as far as the borders of Egypt. So from, from the beginning of his reign, Uzziah showed himself to be a faithful uh, worshiper of Jehovah, even though he didn't try to eliminate the high places, the hills, shrines where the Jewish people worship. He said, so pastor, so why are you telling me this? this is history? Yes, but here's the thing. Do we do today? I love God with all my heart, but I have these shrines over here that I, I worship too. He said, well, I don't have these shrines. Be careful because not the shrines of the Jewish people, but we can have other shrines. He said, so we can make application to today's day. Oh, I love God. Uzziah did too. I love God, but I allow these things to happen in my life. And I do really don't want to take them out because I just like them. You see what we do? I hope not you. 
We're capable of doing that. Many people do that. And unfortunately, many Christians do that. So from the very beginning, we see he was a faithful man. So they were supposed to go to the temple with their gifts and sacrifices for the Lord, but it was more convenient to visit a local shrine against the Bible. So some of the highest places were still devoted to pagan deities such as Baal. And it wasn't until the, the reigns of Hezekiah and Josiah that the high places were removed. Let me give you an example. Okay. Before I got saved, or no, I'm sorry, after I got saved, for some reason, I put some, some statues in my home. I don't know why, but I did. Remember that? Put statues all over the house. And my wife goes, what are you want the statues for? I'm like, I don't know what I said. But that was the way I was raised, and I was exposed to that. For some reason in my mind and heart, I had to come to the end of myself on which I didn't want to let go of these shrines even though I met the God of my salvation. I didn't want to let go of those shrines. They still meant something to me. And when I looked at them, I went, and uh, one time well, our pastor was actually coming to the house. He was doing um, discipleship in our house. And my wife says, uh, something to him about the shrines. <laughs> and, I mean, you know what? what he, he touched my heart by just looking at me and just give me a little smile. He didn't say a word. He looked at me, he smiled, he looked at the statues, and he went home. It touched me to say like, oh, hmm, why did he smile for? But it touched me in the way that I had to get rid of those things. You know, I was growing in my Christian life and I didn't want to let go of the old one. See, it's right here. We love the God of Israel, but we're going to leave the stuff of Baal up there and all the other deities up there because it might be convenient one of these days to go visit one of them. Isn't that what we do? Let it be as arrogance. Verse uh, uh, 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says, uh, if you go all the way to 2 Chronicles 26, 16, goes back and, back and forth with 2 Kings 14 and 15. It says, when he was strong, his heart was lift up with his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went, and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. You see the mistake that he made here? And Azariah the priest went and after him, and, and with uh, him, fourscore priests of the Lord that were violent men, and they which stood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, Pertain not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto, unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, they are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. See, this guy... Look what it says, verse 16 is what it really shows is pride and arrogance. Look what it says, and when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Pride took over. Okay? For he transgressed against the Lord and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. You know what it says right here? Be careful with pride. Be careful with arrogance. And be careful when you go to the house of the Lord, you have your place. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. You know, 
God puts people in different positions. We ought to honor and respect those positions. For example, in my job, there are people who have positions there which I can do far better than they can. And I prove this. I'm going to prove it to you. Is you know what? The workers come see me instead of going to see the other people. And they say to me, why don't you take a position? I don't want it. But they treat me like I'm one that is in management. But you know what? I don't disrespect those people. I respect their positions even though I know more than they do. Because that's their position. The same thing here. This guy walked into the sanctuary of the Lord and what did he do? He disregard, disregard the positions of what? The priests. Pride and arrogance. Arrogance and pride is a downfall of so many people. Unfortunately, what happens to this king happens to so many people, even in our day. The name that they have created for themselves, their own success, caused them to become prideful and arrogant. You know, some people, I noticed that, I, so many, I mean, I live long enough to see that. As people go on in life, success comes about, they forget where they came from. You know, know people like that. They even forget you, who you are. And you scratch your head and you go, hey, I'm still here. I'm still me. And they look at you and say, who are you? How sad is that? But people have done that. Talking about pride. Pride and arrogance is nothing new to all of us. Pride causes us to look down at others. Pride and arrogance cause us to think that we are better than anybody else. And in some aspect, even better than God. May we never come to the point on which we become totally arrogant and prideful. Keep in mind that God literally hates the sin of pride. Unfortunately, King Uzziah's fame and strength led him to become proud, and this led to his downfall. We see this in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 26.16. He committed an unfaithful act by entering the temple of God to burn incense on the altar. Burning incense on the altar was something only the priest could do. By attempting to do himself, Uzziah was basically saying that he was above following the law of God. And the priest trying to tell him that. He was not humble. It was not a humble thing to do. Uh, and 80 courageous priests led him, led by a high priest named Azariah, tried to stop the king. The Old Testament economy, the Lord separated the kings and the priests. And while a priest could become a prophet, uh, Ezekiel, Zechariah, John the Baptist, no, no prophet or king could become a priest. Only in, the, in, Jesus, in Jesus Christ do we find the officers of a prophet, priest, and king combined, and his priesthood is after the order of Melchizedek. Only with Jesus. Zechariah the high priest, along with 80 other priests, stood in his way and refused to allow him passage. It took a great deal of courage for them to oppose such a popular king. Can you imagine? They could all be killed. But they stood him because of that. Let me tell you. May we. May we. Always be humble. I tell you what. We make more friends being humble. And have a heart of humility. Than be proudful. Pridefulness doesn't make friends with anybody. Because pridefulness is like this. Uh, uh. Uh. You see what it is? I'm better than you, 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 you. You don't fit here, you don't fit here, you don't fit. That's pridefulness. You know what it does? 
He don't make friends with anybody. It's unfortunate, but there's people like that. So, let's look at number three. A notorious king. A notorious king. From Jeroboam first, the Jeroboam the first, to the first king of Israel, Hoshea, uh, is that Hoshea's name? Let me see. Hashia. Hashia, right? Hashia, that's his name. Hashia is the last king of Israel. Not one king is called good. However, the kings of Judah didn't fear much, didn't, didn't, didn't fit much better. For out of 20 kings who ruled uh, after the, uh, the kingdom divided, only eight of them could be called good kings. In this section of 2 Kings, we meet with five kings of Israel who were notorious for their godless character and evil deeds. Can you imagine this? Their names are in the Bible, described for all ages, for us to see, read, and, ho and hopefully learn from their past mistakes. And we can see about their wickedness and their evil deeds. Unfortunately, four of them were assassinated. See, let me put it like, that, like this. Why did the Lord put their names in the Bible? So we don't become like them. So we can learn from their mistakes. So, let me see if I can get these names good over here because some of these names are pretty hard. Uh, one of them is, I think it's Shalom, uh, Shalom, 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 Shalom reigned only one month, Zechariah six months, um, Pekahiah for two years, um, Menahem, the cruelest of them all, reigned for ten years and Pekah for 20 years. As the northern kings stumbled towards destruction, their rulers hasted the coming of judgment of God. Keep in mind here that God often gives a nation just exactly the leaders they deserve. You follow that? We need to be careful because we don't get what we're really asking for. Also, but Pastor, we pray for a godly president, one that runs the nation with godliness and, 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 and good judgment, and one that loves the Lord and loves people. Yeah, but are the majority, majority of people praying for that? Or the majority of people are praying that they have a, a president that will fill their pockets with money? You see that? We be careful that God doesn't give us what we're actually asking for. Look where we are right now. Inflation is like, wow. A whole time high. And we don't know where this thing is going to stop. I mean, food is expensive. Gasoline is expensive. Everything is expensive. Even, you know, even walking is expensive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so, folks, there was, there was no reason for the nation of Israel to be divided into king, two kingdoms. There was no reason for them to follow the customs or, and worship the gods of the land when they had the living God of all creation. Folks, when we think that the grass is always green on the other side, we forget how good we have it. This happened to church hoppers who seem to think that the next church is always better than the church they were to. Well, listen, if the church has bad doctrine, leave. Follow that. If the doctrine is incorrect, leave. If the church don't teach about lies and all kinds of things, leave. Look for a church that preaches the word of God and stands on the word of God. Listen, I've been in many churches, and some churches, I wouldn't ever be here. I said, I sit down a little, I wouldn't ever be here. 
You know, it's amazing. So, letter A, we see a short-lived king, Zechariah. Twenty-nine men in Scripture are named Zechariah. This one was the son of Jeroboam II, the, largest, the, great, the, uh, the last great king of the northern kingdom of Israel. So Zechariah didn't have, didn't have the political skills of his father. You remember his father's prosperity, but poor towards God. Uh, so, and he chose to imitate the sins, the sins of his nickname, Jeroboam I. So Zechariah was the great-great-grandson of Jehu, and therefore the last of that dynasty. God promised Jehu that his descendants would occupy the throne of Israel for four generations. So 2 Kings chapter 10 verse, verse 30. And that promise was fulfilled in Zechariah. So Zechariah was a king not because of his sanctity, ability, or popularity, but because he was providentially born into a royal family. Only two major facts are recorded by him. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he was assassinated publicly by uh, another king was Shalem, or Shalem, Shalem, uh, who, th who then took the throne. So we see about the, is a, a sad thing about this guy. He did what was evil. That's a nice thing to, nice legacy to leave behind. Oh, uh, what is the legacy of Zechariah? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Great guy. Can you imagine? So think about it. If we think about he did evil, what kind of evil did he do? For the Bible to say he did evil, you know, evil is a despicable thing. Some people are very evil. You know, everything God of them is evil continually. You know, like they talk, the way they talk, the way they live, the way they behave, the way they act is very evil. This man says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He didn't last long. Let it be, we see an unknown king. Uh, I believe it's Shalem. Shalem, brother? Shalem, Shalem. Why do I say Shalem? Because Portuguese, A, A, O, Shalem. Okay. <laughs> Shalem. So we know very little about this man. He organized a conspiracy and murdered King Zechariah. He be, he because of it, only reigned as king of Israel for one short month. And he was the victim of a conspiracy that led to his own death. We may, not believe, we may not believe this or even think of this to be a coincidence right here, but the Bible is very clear about this kind of things. Look what it says in Proverbs 26, 27. Whose dig at a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth the stone, it will return on, upon him. You know, he killed the king and he got killed himself. Jesus reinforced this with his words in Matthew 26, 52. All they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Uh, so Shalem, fate was, uh, came quick. After one month as king, uh, Shalem was also assassinated. So Shalem was killed by uh, Menahem, one of his own officers, who was, military, was a military commander at Tarsha, an early capital of, of Samaria. So we see this, this guy came and killed him. So we see, that's another king we see, let us see, is a brutal king. So Menahem right here, look at 2 Kings verse 15, uh, 15, 18. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed uh, not all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. See, it repeats itself, who made Israel to sin. Here's another king right here who did continually evil in the sight of the Lord. Second 
So the, the repeatedly report of us that the kings of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord continually. These men learned the customs of the people of the surrounding nations and went imitating them. They forgot that God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. They forgot that God gave uh, God gave them to the give to their forefathers. They forgot about the God who provide and protect them and totally embrace the gods and the customs of the pagan nations around them. How sad it is for us to know what we have and leave everything behind to go uh, get the and get the things of this world. How sad is that? Sometimes we take for granted, don't we? I have a good church. I, have, I know the God of the Bible. I have my Bible. God is blessing me. I mean, I talk to Him every day. I, I try to live for Him. I am content. I'm happy. And suddenly you go like this. And we walk away. Away from God. And begin to live like a lost person. And we forget about God totally. That's what the children of Israel did. And God, God tried to get him back, try to get him back through his prophets, try to get him back. You know, the Lord didn't want them to go to, be a, to go to Assyria and Babylon, but God said, if you disobey me, eventually that's where you're going. It's like, not, this is not little sins. This is evil continually. Can you imagine one of, one of their gods, they worship, they, they they give their kids to the, their children to their gods. They offer them as a, a burning sacrifice. All the gods of the heathen. I mean, nobody is. Uh, listen, I believe there were some godly people in Israel. I believe there were some godly people there. I believe there were people there that loved the Lord and prayed to the Lord and, and, and saw this happen. I believe both in Judah and Israel, there were godly people there. But the majority of them went after the gods of the land. So this king right here is a brutal king. Folks, we may not be doing the same stuff these kings did. We may not be doing the evil that these kings have done. But we, have, we must not forget that we too live among unsaved people whose lives are not pleasing to the Lord. May we keep in mind the following, that, the, that following the customs and the, and the ways of the unsaved people only lead us away from the true and living God. Okay, there are many people in our world who are morally upright, good people, right? But don't get me wrong, we work with some people, they're not very good. They're not very good at all. And if we open up and try to go along with them, before we know, we were now over there too. Because they just don't live right. We need to be careful about bringing the things of this world into the, inside the church and say it's okay. May we always keep in mind that we worship a holy God. Churches today are, are, are forgetting who God is, how holy He is, and are bringing Him down to the level of their friends as like a, a buddy. God is my buddy. God is my friend. God is my buddy. No, no. He is the Lord. He is holy. Right. And may I walk in the sanctuary of God and respect Him for who He is. Listen, my, my father, Manuel Barboza, right? He was not my buddy. He was my dad. Did I play with him? Yes. Did I wrestle around with him? Yes. But you know what? But he was my dad. I always respect him as my dad, not my buddy. 
See, people, some people today, oh, God is my buddy. No, he's your God. He's holy. May you see him like that. So we take the world inside the church. We take the world inside of our houses. And we say, oh, God is all fine with that. No, it's not. Because what happened is that we're polluting our minds with stuff that shouldn't be there. And you know what? And when we pollute our minds, it takes work to, work to clean it up. Let me put it this way. If I walk in your house with a big dump truck full of garbage, all right, and just blow all the garbage in your house, your house will be nice and clean, right? <laughs> be nice and clean, right? And let's say, what did you need to do to, to, for that stuff to be clean? You need to work, right? Get that stuff out of there. Otherwise, it's going to... Your house is going to smell like, you know, garbage for, forever so you don't clean it up. Well, it's the same thing, you know. We bring this garbage in our houses. We bring this garbage in our homes, in our lives. We bring it to the house of the Lord. And if we don't do nothing about it, you know what's going to happen? It's going to pollute us. We're going to get sick about it. Imagine if, you know, is a, a dead animal in the midst of that garbage. You walk, in, you walk in the house and it's that aroma that doesn't go away. May we understand that. I try to be, you know, not try to be gross here. Try to make you understand. May we always keep in mind that we worship a holy God. Churches, we need to remember that we worship a holy God. Now, God's not a buddy. Now, since uh, Menahem was a man who was, who was feared by the people and had the uh, the army under his control, he was able to rule for 10 years and die of natural death. Because of, that, of the people, I mean, he, he had that power on him. So he was a brutal man who followed the Syrian customs of ripping up pregnant women. Look, actually, look at verse 16 of 2 Kings 15. It says, Then Menahem smote uh, uh, Tishab, whatever the name is, and, and, and all that therein, and the coast of... They are from Tishab because they opened not, not to him. Therefore he smote it, and all the women therein that were with child, he ripped up. What an evil man. Can you imagine? Listen, it takes an evil person to do. This is not one woman. It said, it said if you look at there, it, it's woman. It's in the plural. So it means, you know what? It was many people. This man was evil. God is watching this stuff. Right. Letter D. We see an uh, idolatrous king. Pekahiah. Look at verse 23 and verse 24. In the 15 year of uh, Azariah, king of Judah, Pekahiah, the son of uh, Manahem, began to reign over Israel and Samaria and reigned two years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Folks, idolatry comes in many different ways. Actually, we live in a very idolatrous society today. People idolize themselves in all fronts today. Do you think bodybuilders worship themselves? <laughs> they spend many hours looking in the mirror. <laughs> many people... Worship them. Oh, I don't worship idols. Well, you worship yourself. Goodness. 
All the various forms of modern idolatry have one thing in their core, self. Most of the world no longer uh, uh, explicitly bows down to an idol or images. Some do. Instead, we worship at the altar of God of self. This brand of modern idolatry takes various forms. This man must, must have idolized the former ways of which Jeroboam lived and rule in Israel. The Bible tells us this man departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. Can you imagine if you go back and read about Jeroboam, this guy was not a good person. And these people went and do the same thing that this guy did. It's amazing that the Bible continues to repeat this man's name. See, Menahem's son inherited the throne but ruled for only two years. His father had been a military commander and, and had assassinated King uh, Shalom. Shalom? Shalom. And Pekahai was killed in his own, his own uh, palace by Pekah, uh, a military commander who then became king. What we see here is a continuous act of evil on which one man is killed and another takes over, all because of their thirst for power, greed, uh, and, and name and success. And none of them remembers God. You see that? What a sad way to live without God, isn't it? What a sad way to live. Letter E, we see an evil king. An evil king. And his name is Pekah. Yeah, Pekah. See this in verse 27 and 28 of 2 Kings. See, during the time of the divided kingdom of Israel, there was a string of wicked kings who ruled in the northern, northern southern kingdoms. Pekah was one of those evil kings. He began to rule in the kingdom of Israel by assassinating the former king from whom he served as chief officer and taking over the throne. He reigned 20 years, and for 20 years he did evil in the sight of the Lord, before he himself was assassinated by Hosea. Uh, an interesting thing, it said for 20 years this man did evil. Can you imagine? Is not one good thing that this guy did? Obviously not. He did evil for 20 years. The people might say, oh, what a good king we have. And God looked at him and said, you are an evil man. Because remember the people, that as long as everything is okay, it doesn't matter who's leading, are we okay here? But this man was an evil man. Today, nobody's evil anymore, right? Everybody's doing good in their own eyes. But if we look at their lives, we go, ah, we scratch your head, and you go, how in the world is this person is even in power? How this person is, is, is in, uh, uh, in the House of Representatives or in, in our Congress? What are these people doing over there? Is somebody seeing something here? They're giving to the people what the people want. And the people think they are the most awesome people in the world. And God says, you are evil. Because again, God is holy. That's where God looks from. From his holiness. Okay, letter F. We see a virtuous king. A virtuous king. Is, uh, what's his name? Jodem? Jodem. Jodem. Thank you, brother. Jodem. It says in verse 32 of First, Second Kings to. Uh, 30, uh, 15, it says, The second year of Pekah, the son of Remalash, Remaliah, or king of Israel, began Jodan, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, to reign. 
and five, uh, five and twenty years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and his mother, uh, his mother's name here, so Jodan, son of Uzai, began to reign when he was twenty-five years old, and he ruled sixteen years. He was, of course, he came after his father Uzziah, uh, and because, and, and it was smitten with leprosy for invading the temple, uh, uh, presence, of course, uh, Jodan would be considered as a good king. In fact, from Jodan, uh, the eleven king of Judah, the the, Zo uh, the zodiac, the uh, I don't know what the name I put it here. Uh, I'm sorry, the last king of Judah, only Jodan, Hezekiah, and Josiah could be called good kings. Actually, right now I'm, I'm doing a study on the on Josiah. I'm almost done with the book of Second Kings. That king, that three kings. Uh, out of out of ten, so the Lord kept David's lamp burning in Jerusalem all those years. But there came a time when he had to bring uh, in the nation of Babylon and punish his people for their sin. Like his father uh, Uzziah, Jodan uh, was both a builder and a warrior. He repaired the walls of Jerusalem and the upper gate of the temple. He also built cities in. Uh, in the Ludian mountains and, uh, and fortress and, and the towers and the wooden areas. So what we see right here is about this guy right here. In the midst of evil, there's always somebody good. Not everybody is evil. You follow that? Now listen, uh, our nation today is about, okay, uh, I want a job, good economy, good prices on gas, all that, all these people. But there's people that say, Lord, we trust you. And love for the Lord, live for the Lord every day because they love the Lord. Some people look at their own selves, other people look to God. I believe both in Israel and in Judah, there were people who loved the Lord. And this man comes along and starts building. The sad thing is, a good king comes about, he's trying to reform the nation, do good things. Another king comes about, destroys everything. I think I saw a president that did this, that. One president tried to do so much good for the nation. He did so much good, and is the first day in power. This off, this off, this off, this off, this off. And we're scratching our head like, what in the world's going on? I'm not mentioning any names. I'm just saying, because I saw it and you saw it too. And you begin to praise the Lord. This is not good. Here we are four years later. Are we, are we better than we were four years ago? Good night. <laughs> Good night. How much money we spend and get just gas alone? What about the prices of rent? What about food? I conclude with this. God is sovereign. And God look at his people. And in one thing about this, even though the evil kings in, in Israel and the, the evil kings in Judah, in good kings, you know what? God's still trying to take care of his people. That's the God that we serve. God is so patient, God. He loves us so much. But obviously, these people forgot, most of them forgot who God was. Let me tell you this. May we, and I close, may we never forget who God is. He's not a buddy. He's our God. And we must worship him for who he is. The God of all creation, the God who saved us, the God who created me. I don't like that word. God is my buddy. That's not a good word. No, he's not my buddy. He's my God. And I reverence him for who he is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord.
for tonight, for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, Lord. You see, we can turn, take so many principles out of it. And, uh, Lord, may we learn, Lord, that evil is no good. May we never lower our standards in order to accommodate evil. May always, Lord, trust you, trust your word, and leave the results to you. In Jesus' name I pray.